All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the August 2019 hashtag Exchange SH chat. Uh, we really apologize for the technical difficulties uh, we had. There's some storms kind of circulating the East Coast, uh, so we had to work those out a little bit. Um, so, yeah, so we're talking about advancing um, diversity, equity, inclusion in the physical therapy profession. I am very humbly joined by Lisa Van Hoost. Um, she's a physical therapist. Um, Lisa, if you want to kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself um, before we get started, I think that would, that would be awesome. Most Everyone, um, so I am Lisa, Dr. Lisa Van Hoos, um, and I am the an associate program director um, of the developing PT program at the Museum of Monroe. Um, in regards to my background, I've been a PT since 1996. Um, I am super excited to say that I was part of the ch the charter group of oncology specialists. So um, this was our first exam, and I think there was close to 50 of us that are maybe even more that passed the exam. So, um, but oncology rehab is my specialty area, but I am in love with diversity, equity, and inclusion. It actually was my first research project as a PT student back in 1995. So yeah. Uh, so you have very extensive knowledge, very extensive history with the topic. So I think that's great because uh, you're going to bring a wealth of knowledge to the chat. I know everyone who's tuning in is, is just going to be, um, mesmerized. Going to be really, really appreciate you coming on. Oh, yeah. We're um, having a good time. Awesome. Uh, so just some announcements before we get, officially get started here, just pertaining to the student assembly. Um, so the flash action strategy, if y'all aren't familiar with it, it's essentially a electric social media movement. That's every year it's advocated for a particular topic. Um, so this year it'll be September 18th and 19th. And the topic that this year is going to be is adding physical therapists to the student loan repayment program and the National Health uh, Service Core Bill. Um, so there'll be more info about this on Twitter and on Facebook kind of as we go on. Am I coming in a little fuzzy? Yes, you are. Just a little bit. Huh. Interesting. Hopefully, hopefully that resolves. That's, uh, that's OK. If you guys can still hear me, it's all good. Um, yeah. So just kind of stay tuned for social media announcements about that. Um, there'll be a couple links dropped into the uh, into the comments. You guys can um, check those out. It's on the PT in Motion article and also APTA.org kind of has their flash action strategy um, on their website. So you can definitely check that out there. So, yeah, September 18th and 19th. So stay tuned for there. Um, we also have, uh, as we all know, National Student Conclave registrations open October 31st, to November 2nd. It's going to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, I'm very pumped about it. I know everyone's very pumped about it in the student assembly. Um, so registration and programming is available online right now on the APTA website, and those links will be dropped into the comments um, as well um, before we get started. So you can definitely check those out if you haven't registered yet. Um, definitely take advantage of the early bird registration. I believe it's $195, um, so it's good early bird registration. Um, and also the programming will, will be dipped in there as well. Um, yeah, and we're always looking for, for contributors to the APTA Pulse. It's a student-led um, blog that's that's uh, written by students for students. Um, so if anyone has um, any information or they want to submit a blog piece, they can email pulse at APTA.org. Um, so I think that's all we kind of have um, related to announcements um, for right now. So yeah, so definitely Flash Action Strategy, National Student Conclave, everyone. So stay tuned on both of those topics. Awesome. And whoever Callie Kaylee is, she is on. I need a link, a URL, it is down there. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kaylee, uh, for posting that down there. Um, so, yeah, so we're super excited uh, to talk to you all tonight. 
Um, you know, if you're if you're on Facebook, you know, check out the comments. Um, comment if you're a DPT student, PTA student, if you're a fresh PT, you know, if you're anyone else, if you're a physical therapist, physical therapist assistant. Um, shout out your name, your school, um, your year. We'd uh, we'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have any questions for for Lisa, we would uh, we would love to get those into the queue and, and get those rolling in. Um, so yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys tonight. Awesome. So ready, uh, Lisa? You ready to dive in? I'm ready. I'm ready. And I agree with Jacob. Shout out. Shout out to Kylie Kaylee. Is it Kaylee or is it Kylie? I believe it's Kaylee. Kaylee Bosick. She's a director of membership. Because names are important. All right. Shout out to Kaylee. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. So we'll start. We'll start very grassroots here. I think this is kind of very important to to define and, and differentiate these three different ideas. So we have diversity, we have equity, and we have inclusion. So they're all very similar, but they're also, all three of them are uniquely different. So could you kind of enlighten us to those three terms and kind of how they're similar and they're different? Oh, great question. Um, so we'll start with diversity. I think the easiest way to think of diversity is in regards to who is represented, right? So when we, and some people call it the bean counting, right? So that's kind of the number part of it is, you know, what is the representation? How many people or what proportion of this group? Inclusion is, do we have an environment that welcomes the voice of those diverse persons, right? And so I think for PT, we have both issues. We have a diversity issue and also an inclusion issue. And I think one of the best quotes is that, Diversity is being asked to the party and then inclusion is being asked to dance at the party. Right. So that's, that's one of the best ways to think of it. And then we've got both equity and also equality. Those are two very different things, too, um, because in the U.S., we tend to think that we do equality really good where everyone has an opportunity But what we don't do well is equity, where that that opportunity needs to be larger or smaller for some based on who you are in society. So I think I love the fact of us starting off with working definitions of diversity, inclusion, equity and equality. Yes. Yeah, I think equity and equality can actually be, you know, kind of lost in between each other. I know some people kind of loop both of those together. Uh, But there's this cool graphic I was just looking at earlier today. I'm sure that you've seen it. Um, it's three individuals kind of in the, in the outfield of a baseball field. And it's, it's one adult, um, you know, one probably teenager, maybe around 13 years old and one, you know, five-year-old, uh, five-year-old kid. And, yes. you know, the adults, the adults are very tall. So you can see over the fence, you can see the game, the 13 year old, he can, he can see it a little bit. The fence is still in his way a little bit. So um, he needs like a little box to get on so he can be at the same height as the, as the adult. And of course the, the five-year-old can't see because he's, uh, he's too small to, to see it, but you know, those boxes are kind of the heights of them are, are first those respective, those respective individuals because they all have different heights. And so to put them all at the same height, you know, they would have to, they would have to see the game. So I think that's where equity comes in, where each individual has like, a, you know, for, in that example, it's like a little pedestal in it. The height varies based on, for this example, your height. And equality was that it's the same height for the box throughout. Um, for the, the, Exactly. Exactly. I think that is that is like the best analogy. And there's a version of that also that has a person in a wheelchair and a person with a crutch or an amputation. Um, But when I'm talking to people about equality, I often remind them that when you talk about being colorblind, 
that's equality, right? Because you say, oh, I'm just going to see all people as the same. That's equality. Equity says that you're really going to see me and my live story. Right. And because of my lived story, you understand that I may need different things to be able to have the same opportunity. Hey, Tori. <laughs> so I have a student from my previous university on. She's a rock star. OK, super excited about that. The rest of you are rock stars, too. But Tori's like extra. So <laughs> <laughs> she'll be lighting up the comments, I'm sure, which is uh, which is always good. We love that. Awesome. Um, Awesome. Awesome. So, so yeah, so kind of tag teaming off of that. So I know you kind of enlightened us to a little bit how we do have some issues with that currently in the physical therapy profession. So could you possibly dive deeper, um, you know, into what kind of issues we're having revolving around DEI currently in the physical therapy profession? Oh, great question. Um, and so I've been really impressed with the APTA and the board of directors because over the last three years, um, I will say that there's been a lot more intention um, attention and also intention in regards to DEI issues. For a physical therapy, our issue is, is that for the last 30 to 40 years, our demographics for our student population really have not moved substantially. Now, people will say, oh, but we see more people of color, which also is a stupid thing to say because everybody has color. Um, but they'll be like, we see more minority students, underrepresented minority students. Yes, you do in regards to the quantity, but the proportions aren't changing significantly. We still are predominantly a Caucasian profession. Um, and we've never had a really good strategic and action plan about how to change it. And so that is our issue. Our other issue is that our students um, our students from underrepresented minority groups and not just racial and ethnic, but also our LGBTQ um, fellows talk about the fact that once they get into a program, a lot of times they don't feel fully included in the program because of maybe implicit and also explicit bias of faculty and students. So we've got a serious issue as physical therapists and as doctors of PT, because what we see is, is nursing, medicine, all have these really strong initiatives that we have not um, come up with a plan yet. So I'm gonna listen to you, but I'm gonna step away so I can grab my charger. The blessed battery light just came on. No, no problem, no problem at all. And actually I was listening. So Lisa hopped on the Healthcare Education Transformation podcast as well, and she was enlightening a little bit um, on that podcast as well about how, you know, the proportions kind of that she's saying are really changing. Um, so that's, you know, one thing that we've been addressing and we're kind of starting to look at. Um, but yeah, so would you, would you say there are any, like what systems or processes are in place right now to kind of like mitigate those things? Is there, is there anything that's the board of directors has been passing or, you know, things that have been floating around that are trying to mitigate those factors that you're just talking about? Great questions. Um, so some of the things that the board have done, and I will tell y'all, our board of directors right now have had in a long time, so I'm super excited about them. Um, so they put together a DEI work group um, that consists of both APTA staff and also um, members from our APTA community. And so I have the honor of serving on that group. And so that group has been working with the APTA to come up with um, going back through all of our policies related to DEI, figuring out which ones need to be 
um, updated which ones need to be maybe um, removed from our mission. And then also um, we've been helping to give feedback on a potential action plan that the APTA hopefully will be talking about here within the next year. So um, it sounds like the APTA is getting ready to put some resources towards addressing these issues. Fabulous. Yeah, I, I think that's amazing. And we actually had a question just come in from uh, from Yusra. She wants to know how do we and it's kind of you know, derailing a lot, little bit from this conversation, but I think that's OK. Um, she wants to know how to promote. How do we promote DEI issues to those in the majority um, who do not find value in them? Oh, oh, that's that's a great question for this conversation. Um, I think the key is, is. You can't ram it down the majority's throat, right? Because some of these issues are about power and about comfortability. And so if you're going to start off with, you know what, you're, you're bad, you've done this wrong, this, this, and this, that's never going to generate a conversation. But I think where we need to start at is helping someone understand, when did you ever feel like an other? Right. Because that's really what we're talking about is the othering of other people. And so and I think everyone has an experience in their life where they felt like the other, be it maybe for someone in the majority. You know, maybe when was the last time you walked into a room that was primarily minorities? Right. If you were a Caucasian person. Now, this would happen. So I'm going to walk and talk, y'all. Okay, thank you. Because as I was telling our wonderful host, I moved to Monroe, Louisiana, and I am renovating a home, and we have contractors here today. So I would say the first thing is is trying to find out, trying to have a conversation with that person about how they felt when they were othered because that's going to give you some commonality. The other thing is, is I think for most majority persons, persons of the majority, they don't understand that it's a problem. Right. And so you got to approach that with the data also. So I think those would be my first two places to talk. Um, so Toni Morrison has a wonderful book called The Othering that really kind of gives a great perspective on that. Awesome. Could you say it again? The other ring? It's called the other ring. The other ring. So O-T-H-E-R-I-N-G. Perfect. If someone just wants to drop that in the comments just so we have it in uh, in text uh, or just copy the link in, uh, that would be fantastic just for those uh, who want to take a, take a look at that. Awesome. So I, lo I love those two things. Um, and we had another question come in. Let me just try to find it. Um, it's from Brett. He says he hears similar complaints from students of color and or, and or diverse backgrounds. He says they often feel like they aren't welcome, welcomed as other students. What are your thoughts on director of diversity positions in academia? Should every program have one? Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, ooh, and I'm struggling with that one. Because, and the reason why I say no is because what happens is then that person becomes the primary champion. And inclusion really needs to be the work of all. Because you being a PT that is inclusive 
is going to go above and beyond just your educational program. Right, it right. needs to be you out in society. And so we need everyone working on being their better selves. Right. Now, maybe not a director of diversity, but maybe we have a champion, a faculty champion and a student champion that's helping to, you know, navigate and coach up other people. But in my heart of hearts, I don't want it to just be a director of diversity because we see that on institutional levels where you'll have like a vice provost of diversity or chancellor of diversity. And then what happens is everyone just looks to that person instead of it becoming the work of the masses. So that's just my gut feeling. I think that's I think that's a fabulous point, and I really couldn't agree more. You know, if we're going to try to improve, and we're going to try to improve upon in specific programs, diversity, equity, and inclusion, like you said, it really needs to come from the masses. And the only way to kind of make it better on an institutional level, um, just looking at you know single institutions, I think there needs to be kind of a work group or more people coming together um, about how trying to make these uh, trying to make it better. Right? I, I totally agree with you. They can't really be one single champion because then that person would kind of get um, the brunt of everything. And I think less people would be likely to try to improve upon it really. Right. I could, I so agree with you. Great question, Brett. Great question. Yeah, that is, that is fabulous. And I remember you talking a little bit on the health HET podcast again, how um, I think ethnic numbers in academia weren't, uh, were, very skewed very heavily Caucasian. I think if you could speak about that, I think that would be fabulous. I think it was just regular faculty positions and then also director positions, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my goodness. So when we were initially talking, we were talking about, you know, the skewness in relationship to the student population. When you start looking at faculty positions, it's even worse. Um, so where for student populations, we may be talking somewhere between 70 to 90% of the student body, depending upon the region. Faculty is somewhere between 80 to 90% are Caucasians. Um, we see that on a national level. And then when you start talking about program directors or department chairs, the numbers become even worse. So the smaller the pipeline gets, the less diversity we see. Um, and it's one of those things where for physical therapy to really kind of talk about being you know, the movement specialists, we also need to understand that movement within the profession as underrepresented minorities should also be a focus of the institution, of, of, the, of the professional organization. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's fabulous. And I remember I, I forget what the exact facts are, but or the exact percentages are. But like you said, they really are heavily skewed up at 80 to the 90 percent, um, which really, you know, demonstrates a high you know, skewness. It's a bit, the, the numbers are very skewed. So I think if you could try to improve upon that, and, and I'm really trying to like put my finger on, on what processes we can really use to make that better. Um, but I'm really having, as a student, I'm really having trouble trying to, you know, figure out how to, how to make these numbers better and have it have definitely a more diverse, you know, whether it's being a professor or having a more diverse student body. Um, I'm definitely just trying to search for more knowledge on that, you know, which is exactly why I think it's very important to have this discussion and have it on the chat. Well, I think like so Meg is talking about Utica College. They do. They have a really diverse faculty, and that was done with intention. Um, LSU in New Orleans also has a really diverse faculty. But I think what it comes down to is that when programs are hiring for faculty and you have two candidates that are very similar in regards to credentials 
and how they can meet the needs of the institution, then yes, then in that case, you might look at going with the URM um, because that's going to allow you to address that other dimension. So I think during the hiring, we have to be much more intentional and we need to make sure that our faculty mirrors the population that we serve, right? Because how are you going to be community facing if you don't know what the community needs are? Right. Absolutely. And I remember you talking a little bit as well. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over, but I was really inspired by the HGT podcast. Uh, but I remember you saying how also the website should be more welcoming, you know, for certain institutions to for DEI and have diversity, equity and inclusion. So yes. I, remember, I remember you speaking on that as well. Oh, oh my goodness. And so um, in, in regards to health disparities, what we call that is visual affirmation that when you look at a site, it should visually affirm to you that, yes, I'm okay to be here. Yes, these people want my service or they want my truth or they want my presence. And so the images are really important. And I will say that that is one thing that the APTA is doing a better job of. It used to be like every picture was another white person. And I'm like, (laughs) I'll take a picture if we need to take a picture. (laughs) I love it. But now it seems we, we are doing we're doing a much better job of that. But yes, things need to be visually affirming. And so the hospitals that you work at, the programs that you are going to, the clinics that you are visiting, look at their websites and say, hey, have you ever thought about having someone of a different you know race or a different religious background or maybe of a different physical ability just so that your website looks inclusive? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, we have another question coming in from from Gus. We have a we have a lot of student questions that are actually flowing through the comments. So I'd love to keep keep these flowing through um, and less of me talking. Uh, but she says, uh, or was it Gus? Sorry. Gus says, how do you feel about advertising the PT profession in grade schools by students and or clinicians of diverse backgrounds? Yes, I think that's a great um, idea. And I think Um, Number one, because we are limited in regards to our number of minority or underrepresented um, minority students and also faculty, we're going to need allies. Right. So we also need those from the majority to participate. Um, But what the data suggests is that we need to start having conversations with students as early as the second and third grade about physical therapy and also about just STEM careers in general, because by the time that student hits the fourth grade and they start taking their state assessments, then they develop what is known as their science or their math identity. And you'll hear students as young as the fourth grade say, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. Right. So we need to start mentoring them early and letting them see that this is possible. So and I always say, you know, I feel like the APTA kind of missed an opportunity with the Just Right movie. Yes, there were some other undertones in regards to gender, but I was like, that would have been a perfect opportunity to talk about physical therapy. Right. Queen Latifah. I was like, that was like the perfect opportunity for us. Um, But I, I do agree with this concept of introducing it early and then using as much of media as possible out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Social media just goes viral. Absolutely goes viral. So everything you post, 
um, especially on Twitter. It just it just spreads around so quickly. Um, right. So yeah, I think using social media for for you know these initiatives, I think is such a fantastic way um, to get the word out to to promote awareness um, for these things. And at the institutional level, it's actually it, it's very easy because I know all the physical therapy students. We all we all follow each other on Twitter. Um, you know, physical therapy Twitter is uh, very easy to communicate on. Um, so yeah. I think using to a platform like Twitter for for the for this is just absolutely fabulous. So I think that's a really awesome point by you. Thank you. Awesome. So let's see where we can go to next. So I had a question come in from from Lindsay before the chat. Um, so okay. she said she give a little background to this. She says she's currently working on an, an initiative at her state level. So she's a core ambassador. So essentially what the core ambassador does with the student assembly is they bridge the communication between the student assembly board of directors and their specific state. Um, so she said she's currently working on an initiative at the state level to make a scholarship happen for underprivileged students, which will help promote diversity in the profession. And so she wants to know, do you think financial assistance to potential DPT students or PTA students would enhance diversity within our profession? Oh, yeah. I, I think that's a great idea. I think um, our addressing our DEI issues is going to be multifactorial. I think that's, that's just the truth of the matter, um, just because of societal constructs. So I think the scholarship's a great idea. Um, there was a report that came out last year that talked about the transgenerational impacts of what some people call structural violence, other people call racism, um, socioeconomic classism, and how it will take a person from some subgroups almost 60 years to catch up. And so if we can use scholarships to help decrease their financial burden, right, because, you know, there's a possibility that you may be coming in from a lower socioeconomic class or you may be coming from a culture where such as mine, like I have 100 first and second generation cousins. And if something happens, everybody pitches in financially. So my money has to spread across many, many families. And so, therefore, if scholarships may be able to help, then I'm all for a good scholarship. Um, the only thing that I caution people with about scholarships is do you have to tie them to academic performance? Because if you are in a program that uses the GRE for admission, we already know that there is bias built into the GRE um, many academic institutions are actually leaving, um, getting away from using the GRE just for that reason. Um, so that would be my first hesitation is if the scholarship is only going to be offered to students that have a certain academic performance. And also, if once they get into PT school, if you're going to tie it to some ridiculous 3.5 or 4.0, I'm like, why? Why are we doing that? Right. Yeah. Um, because if we're going to have a conversation about equity and know that people have different life journeys or different academic preparedness, then we need to have some grace in how we're offering these scholarships also and the restrictions around maintaining them. Um, I think we cause a lot of anxiety in the PT education field over academics that I'm not always sure is needed. Big time. Big time. I can definitely attest to that, staying up late for studying for exams and all that. Um, but yeah, no, to comment on Lindsay's question, I know the Connecticut um, Physical Therapy Association 
they have a minority scholarship award that they award every year at the annual conference. I think it's a thousand dollars. I'm not sure what the qualifications are for, but I, I, I'm definitely going to research that after. So definitely some state associations already have scholarships yeah. for PT, uh, PTA students and DPT students. So I think it's fabulous that you're trying to institute that uh, in Ohio, I think where Lindsay's from. So I think that's fabulous that you're trying to implement it in Ohio because I think if we can, every state should, should be involved in that. We should try to set aside funds specifically for minority scholarships. You know, I think that's oh, I yeah. think that's really good. I totally agree. I think it's a great idea. Awesome. So we have another question from you. So I should just put in the comments, Dr. Van Hoos, do you have any ideas on how programs can include their minority students and learn from them without putting extra burdens on them, burdens of proof, burden of teaching, um, teaching their peers and professors how to handle DEI, et cetera? Oh, yes. So um, some people call being a minority in PT the third job, right? So, and the reason being is because there is so much education that has to occur. Um, But I think some of that is just the burden that we take upon ourselves by being the first. So I'm not sure that that's going to go away. Um, That's a hard question. I don't have a great answer for that. Um, And I think that that's, that's where having conversations around inclusion are sometimes maybe more helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting. We did a presentation at CSM about DEI issues. And after the presentation, we kind of polled people and asked, which do you prefer the term diversity, the term inclusion? Um, Persons from underrepresented minorities said diversity. Persons from the majority said inclusion. Hmm. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Because often when you start talking about diversity, white people don't see themselves as part of that conversation mm-hmm. because they don't understand that there's 16 dimensions of diversity. Right. right. It's not just racial and ethnic. So I think maybe the easiest answer to your question is first, everyone understanding that diversity is these 16 dimensions and that in some aspect of your life, we're all diverse. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, maybe people would be more willing to, to spread the burden. Um, but I feel like you're asking me something else. And so I'm going to challenge you to just be courageous and just ask what you're really asking so that I don't dance around it. And no, I'm pretty if you heard me speak before, I'm going to tell you what I think. And I'm a grown person and I'll take the consequences for my answer. So. Ask me what it is you really want to ask. Well, in the meantime, you got a shout out from Sarah Beth Allen. She says, Dr. Van Hoos. Hello, Sarah. Awesome. So I think we can kind of, we can kind of let user gather her thoughts a little bit. I know we have, we have another question from Mark. Um, So they keep rolling in. So I think this is awesome, guys. You want to keep the questions rolling um, for Dr. Van Hoos. Um, We definitely love to to get these questions in the queue. So really thank you guys so much for, for being very active. You're um, so, welcome. Awesome. What's the question? So Mark wants to know, what can a minority student do when, they're, when they are there or after graduation to promote more diverse demographics and make PT school more comfortable while students are actually in the classroom? So I guess just kind of promoting diversity while you're a physical therapy student in, in physical therapy school or after graduation to help make the classroom more diverse, PT school more diverse. Oh, I think that's a great question. 
Um, so first of all, I would say, don't forget where you came from, right? So once you are eligible to serve as a clinical instructor, or if you're able to allow students from underrepresented backgrounds to shadow in your clinic for exposure, you need to initiate that. Don't wait for those students to ask you. You need to initiate that contact. The other thing is, is trying to find out um, if there is an opportunity for you to serve on an advisory committee from the program that you graduated from, or if you move somewhere else, it's totally fine for you to ask to serve on an advisory council there, right? And if there is no such thing for those programs, then at the state level, create a special interest group just focused on health disparities, right? Absolutely. Because really, the diversification of our workforce is ultimately going to improve the health outcomes for some of those that are most vulnerable. Um, Lindsay Ray, I will get um, the link to the 16 dimensions of diversity and we'll post it. So I will make sure I do that. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, after the chat, we'll drop that in the comments and we can also uh, post it on our on Twitter after the after the chat as well. So awesome. that's fine. That's a really good question. I'm sorry that we actually missed that, the 16 dimensions, but I'm sure you don't remember all 16 of them off the top of your head. Um, but we'll definitely get the document to her. It actually comes from John Hopkins. So they have what's called this diversity wheel. Awesome. That, that's that's fabulous. I would really love to look into that, um, you know, more as, as we, we come off the chat. So I, I think that's really fabulous. Um, so I, this is kind of a question that I kind of came up with. Um, so I said broadly, how can, how are programs such as ACAP, so the American Council of Academic Physical Therapy and or the federal government um, helping to remedy the lack of diversity, equity and inclusion in the college setting? Oh, great question. Um, so ACAP, it's maybe been ooh, three years ago, convened a task force. I believe Dr. Bernadette York. Um, who used to be at Alabama State. Actually, she's still at Alabama State. She's the dean now. Here of that committee, along with, I think maybe there were nine or ten other people. And so AKQ, somebody just posted the diversity wheel. I appreciate that. Awesome. Um, convened a task group, a work group, that um, actually looked at diversity, equity, and inclusions within the profession and they came up with nine recommendations, and they're actually out there on the ACAP website. Now, the issue was was that it was a beautiful report, and now we're kind of in the weeds of, okay, what's going to be the action items? And so um, I know that there's another group, I believe, Sonobia Crawford, who is the program director from Hampton, is now um, chairing a work group that's trying to figure out some action items that ACAP is going to be taking up to help with this issue. Fabulous. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's awesome. I really think that's awesome because I think ACAP should be you know very heavily involved since they really are kind of heading up the academic portion of physical therapy. Um, so I, I think that's uh, that's amazing. No, I think I, I think it's going to be a great thing um, because we've got ACAP that's got that's developing their action plan. We've got the APTA. I would love to see the student assembly, the student group come up with an action plan where even for like national student conclave, wherever you're hosting it, reach out to the you know high schools there that are predominantly minority and invite a few of those students to come 
you know, maybe there's a way that y'all could provide, you know, free registration for high school students that are interested in coming to the conclave. Absolutely. And high school students that are interested in physical therapy, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, that, I think that's fabulous. So we'll definitely we'll definitely take note of that. Um, you know, if not if not for this year, definitely for next year is something we can definitely we can definitely look into and see if we have the the, the ability to, to make that happen. We would we would love to make that happen if uh, if we were able to. So I think that's a, that's a really awesome point. Oh um, yeah, and I think the other thing is is you know just kind of thinking about student activities is um, Mike Eisenhower. I think I'm saying his name right. Um, he's always challenged us with it, with our national conventions to do a service activity. So maybe for NSC, one of the service activities is you go to an elementary school, right? And host a field day or a movement day of some sort at that, you know, at a local elementary school. So I think there's a ton of ways for all of us to kind of be more inclusive. Absolutely. And we actually have a, we have a service project committee and we actually have a subcommittee on the uh, the National Student Conclave Project Committee that's responsible for um, making a community service event happen at NSC. I know in the past we've worked with Special Olympics, um, mm-hmm. but I would I'll definitely let them comment in the in the comments what they're really been working on and what the details of that are because I'm I'm sure you would you would love to hear that. But we do but we definitely do have a service community service event um, in oh store for God. this year's NSC, which is really awesome. That is awesome. And and one of the things that we have to think about as PTs is why couldn't a student that participates in the Special Olympics not also one day be a PT, right? So the very profession that is about making sure everyone has optimal function, we kind of have restrictions on those people being able to participate with us as professionals. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah. So that may be another opportunity where, you know, that you're not just going to the Special Olympics to serve as a provider or a volunteer, but you're going to talk about career opportunities. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think that's a, that's fabulous, and we could we could definitely try. We could attempt to institute that um, at this year's. Um, if we're heading over to the Special Olympics this year, um, we could definitely talk with our with our with our project committee and see if we can make that happen as well. Because I think awesome. that's fabulous, exposing the physical therapy profession, you know, to as many people as possible from as many backgrounds, physical backgrounds, mental backgrounds, social backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, I think um, is the most advantageous for us. So I think firing on all cylinders is great. So I really appreciate that feedback. Thank you. Awesome. So I think Yusra was able to to gather her thoughts on here. So let me see if I can dig down into the comments here. Uh, So she says, here's my second attempt at the question. She says, as a minority in nationality and religion, Sometimes I struggle with the balance between wanting to help programs with how to be more inclusive as students like me with not wanting to have all the answers all the time and just focus on my studies. I've had lots of conversations with my professors about this, and I know they're looking for guidance, too. So not to offend any students, do you have any advice for, for them on how to learn from their students without putting extra expectations on them um, when they've already learned the other parts of PT to school to handle as well? Oh, I love this question. Okay. So we get to the crux of it all, right? Um, Because there's what is known as minority fatigue, right? And that's a a true phenomenon where it's tiring trying to represent an entire population, right? Your whole, your subgroup, because you can't do it. Because my lived experience as an African-American woman is just that, just my lived experience. Yes, I can talk about some commonalities, but I can't speak for everyone all the time. 
And so there is, it gets very tiring because you don't want to always be the spokesperson. Sometimes you just want to be you. So I think sometimes programs get really lazy. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we've got, you know, this student from this religious background or this racial group. We're just going to ask them their thoughts on this. How about you go engage with the community? Right. Absolutely. How about you go talk to some patient groups that represent those other subgroups? Um, and so I will say that when I find programs that are very dependent upon their student and their faculty, for educating the masses of their program, sometimes that's laziness. Sometimes that's laziness. And it also puts that student and that faculty sometimes in a really awkward position because some of these conversations, you need to say some things that are going to make some white people, make some men, make some homophobes really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Right? Right, right. And then, but you got to wake up and see that person the next day. Mm-hmm. where by engaging the community that allows those conversations to still happen, but it not be within this really small concentric circle of PT school. Right. Right. It isn't like it necessarily single out people. Well, if you're talking more to the community, more you're talking more to the masses, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to talk to more groups of people. And in this particular instance, I think it would than just singling out particular students. Cause then, maybe those students will actually get the, the minority fatigue that you're talking about as well. If they're constantly being bombarded, um, you know, with questions, kind of what they feel like talking to the community at sometimes I think really would be better as you suggested. I think that's a really awesome point. Yeah. And sometimes I think as faculty, we forget the conflict of interest, right? So if I'm going to go to a Caucasian and say, okay, help me understand your lived journey. You know, was this offensive? Was it not offensive? That student still, I get to grade them, I get to judge them, I get to, so it's hard to be authentic in that. And sometimes it may be better for you to talk with alumni or maybe talk members to get some additional thoughts. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fabulous. That's great. Um, so we had a question from, from Kayla before the chat. Um, Kayla Harris, she's our secretary. She says, do you think uh, that creating a more diverse workforce will in turn create a more diverse patient population? Like the, um, people, the people we treat, I think she's talking about, the individuals we treat. Yes. So here's what's interesting about the people that we treat. Um, when we look at the disability data, um, African Americans, Native Americans, Indian Americans, um, Asian Pacific Islanders actually have more disability than Caucasians. So the likelihood that you're going to treat someone from a racial or ethnic group that doesn't look like you is really high. Mm -hmm. Then when we start looking at LGBT needs, that is also a high need population. So the diversity in our patient population is already there. Our issue is, is access, right? So when you think about where do we build our PT clinics, right? Very seldom do you see a PT clinic in the hood. Very seldom do you see a PT clinic in rural America, like at the same levels that you do see them kind of in majority, you know, high income areas. So I think the need is there. It's an access issue. And then the other issue is, is um, two, was it two years? I think it's been two years ago now that the paper was published about 
health disparities in relationship to physical therapy outcomes and how that African-Americans do not receive the same level of care for low back pain. I remember, I remember seeing that. Right, and that was mm-hmm. a physical therapy article. So, and PT is one of few healthcare professions that has yet to do a good implicit bias study of clinicians and students. Where medicine has done it, nursing has done it, pharmacy, dentistry, um, we just have not been courageous enough to do that yet. Absolutely. I think that's a fabulous shout out from where you're talking about how, you know, physical therapists, not a lot of them want to go out and work in these really rural areas or very urban areas. And I think that's why you see what these these outcomes aren't as good. And I think that's yeah. where the, the National Health um, Service Corps, that's where the bill comes in, where the National Health Service Corps will forgive a portion of your student loans. I believe it's up to fifty thousand dollars. Um, up to two years of service if you work in an underserved population that is in a rural um, and I believe an urban area. I don't know if it's an urban area, but it's definitely a rural area. So I think that's a that's a cool shout out to help mitigate that, to help prov- make those outcomes a little bit better. I, I definitely agree. Great point. Great point. So I think that's I think that that's amazing. Um, and I think this is this is a really good question as well. What do you think is the biggest barrier to advancing DEI in the physical therapy profession? The biggest one. <laughs> if we were, if we, uh, if we can choose, we we just gonna put it out there. Uh, the MPTE first time pass rates, which really, you know, in the turn in Lazaria, I'm gonna have to modify for social media. Really, is not a factor for those of y'all who know who Lazaria is. Um, because programs are so caught up right now on being able to say. We had a 90% first-time pass rate. We had a 100% first-time pass rate. And so because of that, I think programs are hesitant to move towards holistic um, admissions policies, which would naturally diversify their, um, their, their student cohorts. But everyone's scared of that first-time pass rate, even though CAPTI is not concerned about it. CAPTI looks at your overall pass rate. Mm-hmm. Right. And if the numbers hold true, 90% of all PT students will pass the MPTE. 90% are going to pass. And it might actually be higher than that. So this whole concept that, oh, my God, people aren't going to pass if we diversify, that's not true. Is that true at all? Yeah, I think, I think that's a really awesome point. That's really, that's really awesome. Yeah, making it more aware, Absolutely. I know Lindsay says, can you put the reference to the article that was um, discussed with African-Americans, um, their health outcomes with low back pain in the chat? So I don't know if you remember the author off the top of your head. It's totally OK if you don't. Um, I'm looking it up now, so I'll, I'll shoot that on a, in just a minute here. OK, yeah, no, no worries at all. No rush. OK, so let's see. I think we can do let's do two more questions. We don't want to eat too, too much over your time because I know it's past 8 p.m. Um, I think we'll do two questions if that's OK with you and then uh, we'll start the ending announcements. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. Awesome. So let's see. So Kayla also has another question. She says, have you seen a change in the workforce in regards to DEI since you entered the profession? And what do you hope, um, or I think this is more pertinent to, this is more pertinent to the conversation now. What do you hope to expect to see in the next 20 years in regards to DEI in the PT profession? We're looking down to the future. Um, So what is optimistic right now is that, Our number of um, applicants from Asian and also um, Hispanic or Latinx populations has substantially increased. 
Um, so that is opted, that's, that's positive. So our number of applicants has increased. And I believe also the number of students from those groups um, has continues to increase. Um, my concerns is that when we look at the data, the numbers for African-Americans are staying pretty much at the same rate for about the last 15, 20 years and may actually be trending downward. So I'm a little concerned about those numbers. Um, but what I am optimistic about is I'm hoping that um, if, if things continue going the way that they're going, we're going to have a major DEI um, campaign from the APTA, which I think will substantially improve those numbers. What my wish is, is that our work, our student body, so the, the students that actually matriculate into DPT programs um, will at least be half of the proportion of their, whatever their U.S. Census data is. So like for African-Americans, we tend to hover between 12 to 14%. I would love to see us have 6% African-Americans um, within our student cohorts. That would be a game changer for us. And then likewise for other groups. Now, what is positive is in the past, we've never had data on LGBT, LGBT, LGBTQ communities, mm -hmm. ideologies, and now we're going to have that data moving forward. So that'll actually be a question um, when students are applying through PTCAST. And so Ryan over at the APTA has been a champion for that. And the nice thing was, was it was an IPE effort. So PT, nursing, pharmacy, dentistry, everyone's going to be asking the same questions um, so that we'll be able to compare data and progress. Yeah, that's fabulous. Because I'm, I'm personally, I'm a big fan of metrics. Like I like having numbers there that you can actually statistically track, you know, where you are now and where you want to be and whatever it is, 5, 10, 20 years. You have something evident there and, you know, the – the methods that you do, the, the advances that you try to do to make that number, you know, to make that number happen, you can actually track that and see if you actually hit that number. So I, I yeah. think that's awesome if we have like a specific number where we try to hit, for example, like I said, 6% in our African-Americans in our cohorts. I think, um, I think that would, that would be, you know, something that's very easy to track and we can prove that, you know, we can show that our efforts, what we've been doing over the past 20 years worked. So I think that's, I think that's a really awesome point. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think, um, and, and I think what makes people nervous about that is that they're like, well, but what if we miss it? But at least we try. Right? We try. So that's my big thing is I'm like, let's let's at least try to do something. Or if we improved, right? We don't actually have to exactly hit that number. But if we if we improved, we showed that our methods definitely worked. Maybe it's just something along the line that needs to be tweaked just a little bit in order to advance it even more. I could not agree more. Okay, I think that I think that's awesome. So I think the last good question to to end off with, um, just for the individuals watching and all the individuals who tune in after, what resources do you recommend for learning about DEI and academics and or physical therapy and maybe how to advance that? And I don't know if there's any books you've read, any articles that you've that you've read that are that are really good at, at you know hitting the nail on the head here. Oh, okay. So first of all, um, the first resource I'm going to give is the article about, so the title of the article was Disparities in Access to Outpatient Rehabilitation Therapy for African Americans with Arthritis. And the author was Sandstrom, 
and it's S-A-N-D-S-T-R-O-M. And the PubMed ID number is 274-00913. So, um, so I wanted to give that resource because I'm a research junkie. Um, the second thing is, is um, NIH has their Office of Minority and Health Disparities, which is a fabulous resource. Um, because I think that since as a, as a profession, we're kind of behind, um, we really need to kind of model ourselves on other organizations, what other organizations, professions are doing, um, so that that way we can kind of quickly close this gap. Um, so I would definitely recommend the um, NIH Center for Minority and Health Disparities. Then the APTA also has its office of Minority Affairs and Women's Health. So Dr. Um, Janetta Meadows is fabulous to work with. And um, there are some model institutions out there. Um, so the University of Colorado has a really great holistic admissions um, program. Um, and then I have to always give a shout out to Delaware, um, Dr. Gregory Hicks and his ADAPT program. If you wanna talk about a program that uses mentorship, focuses on diversity, building an inclusive culture. Delaware is kicking butt, y'all. Um, so they have created a program where the PT students are coming back and helping to serve as mentors for pre-PT students, and then students are serving as mentors for other PT students, and Dr. Hicks just got um, appointed to the board of directors. So I'm hoping that that wisdom is going to help kind of mold this action plan that the APTA is going to be rolling out. But those would be kind of my low-hanging fruit. That's, that's a lot of low-hanging fruit right there. It's, um, I think that's, that's amazing um, for, for our audience. They have a lot of resources to go back to um, after the chat if they want to learn a little bit more. So I think that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, Lisa, I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on with our technical difficulties and all. Really, really, it was a pleasure having you on. Oh, no worries. And thank you so much. And I apologize, y'all, for having to move around. Um, as I said, I, I made the decision to leave the University of Central Arkansas to move to um, the Delta. So for those of y'all don't know, the Delta um, is this area, geographical area that follows the Mississippi. And that is where some of the health outcomes are the poorest. Um, and so I live in a town that is 60 percent African-American. And we're hoping to develop a PT program that um, will represent that community. Fabulous. So I came to the Delta to be knee deep in this work. That is, that is fabulous. That it, that really that really is breathtaking. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Um, so and and I I want to put this disclaimer out there. So I talk about African Americans a lot because I'm African American. Um, but if you go and you look at the John Hopkins um diversity wheel, you will see the 16 dimensions of diversity. And so like I live in rural America. And so there's a ton of people that are first generation. There's a ton of people that are lower socioeconomic class. Education system is not ideal um, for some of the students that I work with. And so although we tend to talk about diversity in regards to racial and ethnic and religious issues and LGBT issues, there's a ton of um, dimensions of diversity. So I just want to make sure everyone feels included in this conversation. So that's awesome. important to me. That's, that's fabulous. <laughs> they, you heard it, folks. Um, that's great. 
So just a couple of announcements I just forgot to forgot to make at the beginning. Um, so in, in specific for National Student Conclave, so again, there's going to be a Halloween theme. So please bring a Halloween costume. There is going to be a Halloween theme. Um, preliminary, we're, we're not exactly positive where it's going to be yet, but that news will be out very, very soon. There'll be some form of Halloween um, costume party slash um, get together, but definitely grab a Halloween costume if you can um, and bring it down to Albuquerque because, um, you know, it's on Halloween, so we're going to have a little party. Um, so it's going to be awesome. And also just we're going to continue this conversation on social media, as you all know, who have tuned in before. So, um, you know, after this exchange, I say chat on advancing DEI and physical therapy profession, um, you know, tell us what you found most valuable. Tell us on Twitter. Tell us on Facebook. Um, tag us on Facebook at or tag us on Twitter at APTASA. Use the hashtags, hashtag DPT student, hashtag PTA student. Um, we love to keep this conversation flowing because I think this is a conversation that's going to be, you know, it's going to be here forever. You know, it's going to be here forever. At, at least we'll we try to make it not here forever, right? That's our, that's our goal to not be here forever. But we want to keep this conversation flowing as much as we can. So, again, we really appreciate Lisa coming on and sharing all this awesome information with us. Yes, and we are, and I will tell you from the old fogies, um, we are looking forward to your generation um, helping to turn the tide on this. Um, you just, you have really kind of modeled to older generations how to have a much more inclusive um, behavior. And so we're looking forward to partnering. I was going to say watching, but partnering with y'all to address this issue. And I'm so excited to have had this conversation. And um, even though I'm sitting on a concrete floor in, <laughs> in a guest bedroom somewhere, I had to look around and see which room I'm in. But it was so worth it. Um, I think what y'all are doing as an organization is amazing. So um, keep up the good work. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely going to keep uh, we're going to keep this conversation flowing, exposing it to, to students, you know, as much as we can is, is really the is really the ultimate goal. So I, I think it's a really awesome conversation to have. So, again, yeah, thank you so much for everyone for tuning in. Thank you, Lisa, for tuning in. Um, the September hashtag exchange essay uh, chat will be announced soon. So definitely be on the watch on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook for that. Um, we'll get that rolling um, as soon as we can. So. Um, everyone have a, have a fantastic rest of your Sunday night and um, yeah, have a good one. Have a good week. Yes. So talons up for my Warhawks, go bears and rock chalk Jayhawk. Awesome. Always hate basketball. Talk to you later. Talk to you everyone. Thank you so much for coming on.